Hi, I'm Abby Rosenblum, founder of the Social Modern Matchmaking and your host of Ghosted, a podcast about making dating easy and fun again so you can find your boo. Get it? We'll talk with dating experts, coaches, and real clients of mine and single people from around the world. Stick around for corny jokes, dating advice, and deep dives into the psychology behind finding love. Dating can be stressful, uncomfortable, fun, and crazy. In general, dating's out of so many people's comfort zones. So I just want to start this episode by saying, daters, you're doing great. No one teaches you how to do this and how to date, but we're all figuring it out one step at a time together. And of course, getting way out of your comfort zone. We've all heard that saying that, you know, when we do this, we start to change and grow. But how can you try to also keep all your stress in check while you're dating? That's where mindfulness or meditation could come in. Both are big buzzwords right now. And to be honest, I had to look up the difference between the two, which brings me to our amazing guest and meditation teacher, David Gandelman. Thank you so much for being here and for explaining all these things to me today. Absolutely. It's a pleasure, Abby, and congrats on the new podcast. I'm excited for you. Thank you. Yeah, I think, you know, it's so fun to be able to share wisdom and tips and tricks and stories and all these cool things with people from in Colorado to across the country, maybe worldwide. Who knows who's listening? So let's get started with you are a meditation teacher. What does that mean for someone who hasn't heard of that before? Yeah. What is my day like? (laughs) I meditate 12 hours a day. Then I eat a grain of rice in the evening and I go to sleep and start all over. (laughs) That is insane. No way. (laughs) And I'm just in perpetual bliss. I'm just blissing out and I have no issues or problems of any kind, especially not around dating, of course. (laughs) So that's the answer to everything. Great. End this podcast right now. There you go. So, um, you know, actually right before this podcast recording, I was on a live class. I have a membership called Meditation School and I teach in there. So people come on Zoom and usually what I do is I explain a concept to them. So maybe one day we'll be working on guilt or how to clear confusion or get all the noise in your head to how to turn the volume down on that or uh, how to work through invalidation or fear, pain, a lack of self-worth or love. And so I'll describe a little bit of a concept, some tools, and then we'll go into a meditation, maybe 15, 20 minute long session with our eyes closed, visualizing, shifting our energy, processing emotion, and then hopefully coming out the other side, feeling better and maybe having some answers about where we've been stuck and what the next step of our lives is or what we want it to be. So meditation could be everything from mindfulness, which is sitting and watching your breath, feeling your body, right? That kind of very common meditation practice. Uh, Maybe you do a body scan or you just watch your breath in and out, which is great. I think it's a beautiful practice, but it can be tough in the beginning for a lot of people when their minds won't stop going and going. They're like, oh, this is torture. I can't watch my breath. (laughs) So That is totally me. So I need your advice today too. Yeah. So I think for you and a lot of people out there, there are lots of other techniques and ways into meditation that are less uh, daunting, maybe a little bit less boring or difficult. Uh, And so I like to, I like to help my students kind of work, I would call it work their energy with with their eyes closed. So we've got from mindfulness all the way to the other end of the spectrum, 
you've got, you know, visualization, chanting, mantras, you got TM meditation, you've got all sort intuitive healing meditations. There's, you know, a thousand different kinds. And I don't think there's a right one, but I think there might be a right one for you right now in the moment where you are in your life. And that might change over time. It has for me. I've practiced so many different kinds of meditation. So you got to find, just like in dating, when you're looking for a partner, you might have to find a teacher that clicks with you, a style that clicks with you. And then you got to give it a chance. Just, again, just like in dating, you have to give something a chance. If you practice for 10 minutes, you're not going to know if it worked. You probably need to give it a few weeks or a few months to see if there's some real effects. Um, so a lot of people, they dabble and they don't get deep enough into it. And the reason is it's hard. So you close your eyes and what happens? All of the noise and all of the pain and all of the resistance you have and all the arguments you're having with people in your head come up and there's a reflection there of what's going on inside you. And a lot of people don't slow down enough uh, in life to sit with that and know how to get to the other side. They just go into resistance to the feeling and then they open their eyes and they try to override it by eating or being on social media all the time, or maybe even excessively dating. If I could just find somebody to make me happy and I won't have to worry about what's going on in the inside because they will fix it. <laughs> and then you end up with Abby coaching you on how to not do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, I see a lot of overlap in what we're both doing in that a lot of people might not think they need us initially. And a lot of people might think, oh, I could just go meditate. I'm going to download Headspace or, you know, an app and just do it on my own. For me, it's like, hey, I can date. I'm going to download an app and do it on my own. But really, no one no. teaches you how to do either of these things. You know, I will be totally honest that I've tried to meditate and I'm, I just am really bad at it. I don't know if it's good or bad, but I have so many things going on in my head that it's so hard for me to focus. So I wouldn't say you're bad at it. I would start, for, yeah, I wouldn't label that. I would say I would start with where you are. So a lot of people listening to this are probably going through the same thing is where they, when they close their eyes and there's just way too much going on in their heads, that's not a bad thing. I think you want to just take what the most prominent thing going on in your head is and bring it to the front of your movie screen in your mind's eye. So I like to tell my students, we have two eyes to see the physical world, right? I can see you, you can see me. And then we have one eye, we call it our mind's eye to see our interior world. So there's eyes to see the outer world and an eye to see the inner world. So if I ask you to close your eyes and imagine an orange, you could do that. That's your inner eye, right? Mm -hmm. When you close your eyes, you don't realize you're watching movies in your head. And so when those movies are passing on the screen of your mind, you're interacting with them and you're responding to them, you're reacting to them. What I like to have my students do is say, hey, if something just is, it's like a merry-go-round. It just goes, if you have, if you're ruminating on something like a relationship or an ex, let's just keep it in, in that genre for today. Uh, Cause that is a lot of what people are struggling with. Maybe they have an ex-partner they can't stop thinking about, or they've had a fight, right? Mm -hmm. Put that right on the front of your movie screen, right in the center of your mind your mind's eye, and then just look at it and sit with it and, and then see what the emotion is underneath the story. This is where people usually don't want to go is they, they, they're so caught up in the story. He said this, she said that they did this. 
it was so inappropriate and they just get lost in drama. And if you do that, you'll just endlessly create more drama in your life. You'll attract people that'll bring it into your life and you'll wonder why you're always the victim to it. So my suggestion is start from the inside out. So pull it up right on, on your mind's eye and look at it and then ask the right question, right? Just like in dating, we have to ask the right questions. And one of the right oh, yeah. questions I think is, uh, what is the energy underneath this ruminating set of thoughts that won't go away? Because it won't go away until you learn what it's here to teach you. It'll just keep haunting you. It'll it'll ghost you in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want your thoughts to ghost you. But I think no. a lot of people, you know, our initial reaction is just don't do anything, you know? Just put it out of my mind, put it in the back. Don't think about the fight. Don't think about the X. Just block it out. So yeah. bringing it to the forefront of your mind is the opposite of what I think we're taught to do sometimes. Because we don't want to experience pain. So we're constantly moving towards pleasure away from pain. And that's why people get addicted to medit uh, to dating apps because moving or meditation. Go or meditation. We want to go towards pleasure away from pain, right? You actually want to be counterintuitive with that and realize pain is here to teach you. Sometimes pleasure is here to distract you, especially short-term gains of pleasure are probably here to distract you pretty often. So you want to step back and be okay with something that feels uncomfortable, irritable, puts you in resistance. That's what most people are not willing to do. And if you want to be successful in meditation or I think in dating, you have to do that. Some people I think date too early, like they jump on apps when they're in the middle of heartbreak. I've done this. Uh, We've all been there. Yeah. yeah I, rem I remember, yeah, I went on a date once and the girl's like, how long have you been single? And I was like, two weeks. <laughs> yeah, obviously she never called me. Dinner. Yeah. <laughs> just like, I just, my head is on her shoulder. <laughs> and then she said, <laughs> obviously she never called me again. Right. Because I was nowhere near ready to, to date. <laughs> yeah. So we want to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. So you pull it up on the screen of your mind and you go, what is the energy underneath this ruminating set of thoughts that's making me uncomfortable? And then let it unfold. So, so let me throw out a few examples that if you're in the dating world, you might experience. Uh, I don't want to be alone or I feel lonely already. So I'm like excessively dating because I just want to feel that that hole. Actually, you don't want to fill that hole would be my suggestion. You want to look into it and see what's going on and reconcile the pain inside your heart. Otherwise, you're going to recreate what you've had before and wonder why you keep being the victim to the same kind of partners. Uh, oh I would God. say that's ding, huge ding, ding, for gold people. star, a million yeah. things. I try to tell people this all the time. And maybe I need you to step in and just be a little voice of reason, you know? <laughs> How many... Abby, how many clients have you had that came to you and said, I want a partner? And then you assess them and you're like, oh, what they need is some healing first. I definitely get some people that are like that. And fortunately, I have an amazing arsenal of people to refer those people to. And then they can come back to me of dating coaches and therapists and cool. you know, ways to break past that. Because it is an important thing of, you know, you mentioned people just feeling helpless or lonely and I just want to fill this void. When I hear that, that's an immediate red flag of I don't think they're ready. Yeah. And I think you're right. You need a team just like anything in life. Yeah. You're not going to build a house by yourself, right? You need, you need a team of construction workers, an architect, maybe an engineer. I think the same goes for dating. 
Like nobody teaches us how to date, how to make love, how to love, how to communicate. We all become adults and then we're on YouTube watching Esther Perel videos going, help. <laughs> it's like when you're on a date, it's like when you're on a date and someone has to go to the bathroom and, and then go to the bathroom to assess if they want to come out or go for the exit. <laughs> oh no. Oh, I hope people listening, I hope that's not happening to you. So please find a matchmaker to help you out. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's someone. Can I can I ask you, Abby, why why did you call the podcast ghosted? Is that happening a lot to your clients? Yeah, I mean, ghosting, I just think it's almost an epidemic. You know, I don't really want to call it a pandemic in the times that we're in now, but um, not as bad as coronavirus. But at the same time, you know, our whole mentality towards dating has changed. You know, ghosting, yes, it's been around forever of people just not responding and not replying. But I think now with technology, it's even worse because we have this whole mentality of I'm on to the next thing. I'm ready for the next person. You're at dinner with the person and you're already in your mind swiping. So, you know, that honestly brings me really easily to another one of my questions of, you know, people who are maybe stuck in that mentality of just always on to the next, always on to the next. Is there something they can do to be more mindful of that? Yeah. Well, first I would say kind of to one of my last points is if that's happening, they're very likely avoiding some kind of pain. Um, mm -hmm. So I would, I would step back and go, it's just like overeating, right? When we overeat, usually we're trying to process some emotion that we're having trouble with and we cover it up or drugs, right? So any addiction, all addiction is is a poor way of dealing with pain. So always somebody trying to deal with pain or cover it up. So if it feels like an addiction, I would say you, you might need some help with it. Get a coach, get a guide to, to help you look at that a little bit closer, a therapist. And then on a kind of practical level, I think you might need to delete the apps sometimes, just like you might need to delete Instagram for a week at a time. You're never going to not open it if you have it on your phone. So you just have to delete it and then step back. And when you feel good, you go back to it and then be really intentional. And this is where meditation comes in, being really intentional about what you decide you want to do and not do and be a part of there's it's a lot of energy to be on an app and to have all that communication it could throw you off your game you know if you feel like you're constantly having to get back to 10 people and do they like me are they am i being invalidated because i'm not getting responses so be intentional about it i was going to say just decide what it is that you're looking for and be clear about it right are you looking for a hookup are you looking for a life partner and say i think it's important to say exactly what it is that you're looking for and that I, I could be really helpful. Weed out all the people that are, are not a good fit. Yeah. Totally. I agree 100%. Something that I do for all my clients before they go on a date is tell them to set an intention. Because I think a lot of people go into a date and the intention is, I'm going to find my husband or my wife or my life partner. And that's a crazy intention. Because that's just something that you likely will be disappointed. You're meeting someone for an hour, two hours. How do you know for sure if that's your future partner? So I talk to people a lot about setting an intention that's something that will make the date feel like a positive experience. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. So last night I was actually on the phone with one of the people who helped create Tinder and some of the, I won't go no, any deeper casual. into the details. And <laughs> we were talking a lot about the algorithms of 
of the dating apps and the disparity and differences between men and women, how there tends to be more men on a lot of the apps and they'll swipe, you know, 10x yeses to the, than the women do. So women tend to, and this is not a judgment on my part. I'm just telling you the statistics. Women tend to read through people's profiles more and be more deliberate and swipe yes to less people. Uh, you'll you'll even see women say, I rarely swipe yes. So if I did, it might've been a mistake. <laughs> I've, mm-hmm. I've seen that. Um, whereas men will be like, yes, 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 yes. And then I'll figure it out later. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, so swipe, 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 swipe. Yeah, so men, you might, might want to be a little bit more deliberate with that. And that's part of the intention behind it, right? So there is this, I think there is a disparity going on, whether you're on an app or at a bar or you meet any other way, there's always this tension if you're a heterosexual male, female. I mean, I can't speak to everybody else's situations because I don't have experience, but I'm sure it's similar. Uh, But there's always some kind of disconnect tension. We're different. We're almost different species sometimes. Uh, Hard to understand each other's moves and why we think or don't think in certain situations. (laughs) How come men always think that way? Or don't think yeah. is a better way to put it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate question. <laughs> I want to rewind. So can you tell us more about this phone call with the guy who started Tinder? I mean, that sounds like kind so of... It's not the cool. guy who started Tinder, but he was oh, an, okay. en- an engineer behind it. Yeah, we're, we're talking about working on a project. And it j- I had just had a lot of questions for him around the dating and, and the algorithms and, and just the is some issues. So I have the opposite issue. So I have this thing called metadata that I've been working on. So I do these live zoom calls, speed dating calls. And the issue I've been having is getting more women than men. I think I told you about that. Uh, and, and I, so I asked him, I was like, I'm actually, he called it out. I told him, you know, I teach meditation and I'm doing these zoom dating nights. And he's like, you probably get more women than men because more women in general are interested in personal growth and meditation, spirituality than men. And I said, yeah, that's totally true. My audience is way more tilted towards women. And he said, yeah, you have the opposite problem than most dating apps have, which is they have too many men or the men swipe too much and you're having too many women. But essentially, it's the same kind of problem. And you have to find a way to bring the men in. And I was like, God damn it. Why are more men not interested in growth? Come on, guys. Or maybe they are. They're just interested in a different angle or a different type. So figuring what that what that is, figuring out what that is and bringing them in. So that was a lot of the conversation that we had. And honestly, I still don't have a solution. I was thinking about it last night and this morning. How do I bring in more men, Abby? <laughs> hey, hey, well, guys who are listening, take notes right now. All the ladies are either, you know, doing these Zoom date nights or they're working with a matchmaker because we have discussed that I have the same issue of, you know, women come to me like I can't even get them to stay away. It's awesome, you know, because like we talked about, I think it has to do with personal growth. You know, working with a matchmaker is a big step in saying, hey, I really want to put time and effort into finding my person and I want someone to help me with that. Yeah. step to admit that and realize that, oh yeah, it is easier if I don't do this alone. Totally. And I I just think men have sometimes maybe pride issues around that of needing help or opening up. Obviously the masculine, I think by definition, maybe doesn't have as easy of a time processing emotion as the feminine. And so uh, we need a different approach a little Mm -hmm. bit. But I think if you are a guy listening 
uh, you're probably interested in growth if you made it this far. So high oh, five. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you've made it this far to the podcast, then you definitely need to go to the Zoom date night. Um, and right. I am going to be there hopefully for one very soon. So. Yeah. And so, and we did an event. So me and Abby did an event together recently in person, outdoors and small group, because that's the rules yeah. And in Denver. And I got to guide some cool prompts between people to help them open up. And wow, was it difficult for some people to share their feelings. I think one of the prompts we did was around rejection or uh, mm -hmm. values, what a good day looks like for two, for you and a, a partner. We did a some really cool prompts with everybody. I just really enjoyed watching them share, but also get stuck and mm -hmm. kind of pull on some of that intuition of what you really care about. We don't realize what our values are sometimes until we start saying them out loud and they reflect off of other people. Like you say it yeah. and you see the you see it in the other person's eyes or the reaction. You go, oh, wait, is, is that what I think or feel? Oh, yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating to me, you know, watching at this event, a lot of people haven't thought about what they value in a partner or what they value in life and themselves, which I think is almost step one of beginning to date. Of if being an adult. That, yeah, of, yeah, hashtag adulting. Step one, find out your yeah. values. <laughs> I'm assuming that you do a lot of that with your clients, right? Finding what their values are. Even when the first time me and you ever spoke on the phone, we had a mutual friend connect us, Allah. She's awesome. And I think you asked me what my values were and some really good, deep, kind of penetrating questions that made me uncomfortable. And I think that's a good sign of a good matchmaker kind of digging up that intuition and those values. Uh, I think without doing that on yourself or with somebody else, you're going to have a hard time finding the right partner to fit you because uh, you're just like, oh, she's hot. Or uh, he's got, I love his beard. Well, you know what? One day that beard's going to fall out. Are you still going to love him? <laughs> so you want to make sure your values line up. I actually, what I've seen in the world, this is just from my weird niche perspective, that people can value personal growth and spirituality too highly. And then only later they realize that their personalities don't really match up as much. So it can, it can happen in any direction. I think just like in your personal happiness has a lot to do with balance, like how much you work, how much you exercise, how much pleasure you feel, how much you eat, the same in relationships. So it can't be all just because you're both Christian. Right. Or it can't be all just because you both love riding motorcycles. Like that's a start and a nice hobby that you share, but there's got to be a lot more kind of points that connect. I don't know if there's, you have like an equation of how many, if you need like eight out of 10 or something, is there like an equation, Abby? <laughs> you know, I wish there was. I have been trying to figure out the algorithm for chemistry because I would be a cajillionaire. That number doesn't even exist if I could figure that out. But Let's I think, make one up. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, what I really go off is I start with values. So if you value family and adventure and loyalty, then I don't want to set you up with someone who doesn't value family or doesn't value those things. You guys would totally not click even if you love to snowboard every weekend together. You might have fun as friends, but even some of that friendship may not last if you don't have similar enough values. So yeah. it's really, obviously, it's the core of who we are. So I'm kind of shocked sometimes when 
people don't know their values. And if you're listening to this and you don't know, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's negative. I'm saying now's the time to figure it out. Think about it. Maybe meditate about it. I mean, what would you, how could people start to kind of, you probably have a million ways people could start to and think we, about that. And we did that in our date night that we our created night, together. Yeah. yeah, where I had everyone close their eyes and visualize their uh, I had to visualize a notebook and then writing in their top three values that they're looking for in a relationship in order. I'll actually share the most commonly said value that I heard, which I hear often and which is mine too, which is kindness. That was the most used word in the group that was uh, of the three values of all the people, kindness. I also see humor comes in a lot for people and I don't think there's a right answer. You just have to find out what's true for you. Let's make up an equation. I would say if you were to write your 10 highest values in order, I can't imagine if, if you only had four or five matches with somebody that it would it would be a good fit of two puzzle pieces. I'm guessing this just intuitively, but I would probably think seven or eight would be kind of a threshold you might need to make something work. I don't know. That's oh, yeah. just my sense. Yeah. No, so I think you're on to something there. I mean, you know, that's why it's really the basis of what I do. And I use some personality tests to help with that too, because that can determine your values. If you're super extroverted or super introverted or conscientious or not, or psychopath. Mm. So do I you do feel other people's emotions or not? Mm. Yeah, that's a fun category. I haven't ever had anyone score really high there, fortunately. So. Good. That's good. <laughs> I I really like that it is simple of if you're not sure what values you're looking for is as simple as picture that notebook you were talking about. Write them down. Our event that we did, I had so much fun just doing that and I think that it really got people talking about stuff below the surface right away, which yeah, so you often want to get them to open Totally. And so often, even our conversations on dates could just linger on the surface level. And it can be scary to get be, deeper, but that's becomes, how you make a connection. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, all right, you tell me your bio biography, your history, and I'll tell you mine. Oh, great. You worked here and you lived in that city and you like apples. All right. And it's, I get it. I think we're a culture that's very like, uh, we're all very like polite and we have, we have these masks of personality but I don't think anybody really gets excited or turned on by that kind of conversation, but we all just kind of do it as a social construct and norm. Mm -hmm. But my suggestion, I think when you start meditating, some of that starts to come off of you or you start to learn how to be conscious of when you're using it so you can use it consciously or you, or you can, or it could just be unconscious. Right. And so you're don't even realize you have these sayings that you constantly say or like phrases and it's not even you talking or you just always share the same story. You're on repeat, you know? So when you meditate, you kind of get through some of that and you're more intentional with the words that you share and, and what you want to get across. And also you learn how to listen. So when you meditate, you learn how to listen to yourself then you actually can learn how to listen to somebody else. And I think that in my experience, especially for women, that is a huge value. If the guy, obviously if it's a heterosexual relationship, I'm sure in any relationship, but I've noticed in particular with my experience, women really, really value when a guy can look at them in the eye in the eyes and, and listen and actually not just be thinking about the next thing, just take it in. Um, so I think meditating can help you 
really deepen in, into a practice like that. Uh, and then also just being present. So I've noticed that women also appreciate about men when, when the guy can be really present. So part of that is listening, but there's also just like an energy to it of just like, I'm here with you. I'm not thinking about something else. Uh, mm -hmm. And that takes practice and that meditating, I think, can help a lot with that. Um, and it goes both ways, right? When we're conscious and we're present, we can recognize the other person more, recognize their needs, um, go a bit into a deeper conversation, hopefully. And obviously, you know, we all go at our own pace. So if you need to have uh, some some chat about the weather until you go deeper, that's fine. I think that's why a lot of people drink alcohol on dates, right? Like eases some of that tension. Yeah. And it makes it yeah. easier to be vulnerable, you know, and have those deeper conversations. But, you know, just to even sum up everything you said, what I hear from women is communication. That is something, communication, awareness. I don't think there's a woman I talk to who doesn't want that in a partner. Yeah. So you said it all, but I just want to make sure we get that so, point across. All right. Let's, let's get into some controversy and uh, uh -oh. go a little, a little deeper here, offend a few people probably. Let me see oh, if I yes. can think of what men it. tend to tell me. You know, what do men tend to say that they're looking for? One of the things I notice is men, uh, obviously many of them are looking for really great intimacy. And they're also looking, you know, you, you hear this very kind of low consciousness phrase from men like, oh, she's crazy. Uh, uh. <laughs> and what they're not realizing or conscious of is when you're dealing with the feminine, uh, as the relationships teacher, David Data says, sometimes it can be like weather, the feminine, like it could be a tornado or a gust of wind. It's like this energy that comes through and it wants to see if you can be stable and present with it rather than re react in a negative way or run away. And then I think that even plays out, for example, if a woman has a really tough cycle, right? Uh, mm -hmm. like a moon cycle. And she's like, ah, and she wants the guy, again, if it's a heterosexual relationship, to be able to be there, be present, not have to fix it or solve it, but just kind of be there. And for men, they're coming at it from the opposite end of the spectrum. Sometimes like, I want somebody stable who's not going to, you know, go crazy on me. But I think there's a meeting, <laughs> there's a meeting in the middle that of, of understanding that needs to happen on both sides. Like, yes, men need to obviously understand women better, but women also need to understand men better. And I think we both try to change each other too much. And you have to recognize we're almost different species in some way. And that uh, if your if your woman's weather comes up and she's a she throws a tornado at you, right? Rather than taking it personally or fighting, can you be present? For it. And it could happen the other way around too. A guy mm -hmm. can, it could totally happen the other way around. Uh, but in my experience, the and this doesn't mean male or female, but masculine or feminine, the masculine tends to be more kind of heady or intellectual in nature. So if a person is masculine, man or woman, any kind of relationship, heterosexual or homosexual or any other, the masculine energy, the intellectual energy is when it has an argument, it wants to be right and logical and rational. 
And when the mm -hmm. feminine is having a conversation, it wants to be understood and felt. So it's less about who's right and more about, do you get me? Do you feel me? Do you hear me? Do you see me? And so I think that's where those two miss each other a lot and where there needs to be a little bit more understanding. That's why you'll hear this, like I said, low consciousness phrase, she's being crazy. No, she's expressing emotion and you're not understanding it. You're trying to win a logical argument and that has nothing to do with this. And so I think that happens a lot in, in relationship from my experience. And obviously I work on it on myself too, to be able to recognize my limitations. And, and then if it's coming from somebody else, like how to manage it in a healthy, conscious way. Uh, but I don't think it's something you ever perfect. I think it's more like surfing. <laughs> and sometimes the waves just crush you. And other times you get, you stand up on the board for a while, like, all right, I got this. You're like learning to ride the waves, but I don't think it's something that's perfectable. Mm -mm. Definitely not. <laughs> I mean, I feel like when we admit we're not perfect, we're totally flawed. That's when you're like, okay, yep. I can start to accept myself and a partner. You know, if you hold them to a standard of being perfect, you're going to drive yourself nuts. I think, And I think that's what love <laughs> is, right? A lot of love is... We're not actually looking for someone to accept our strengths, but our weaknesses and the places we hurt. We're looking for mm -hmm. someone to accept us for the way we are now and who we are not now, not who we want to project ourselves to be or hope to be one day. I think that's what most people are looking for. Like, hey, here I am in my imperfect self. Can you accept me the way I hope to accept myself and, and vice versa? I think that will lead you to a really great relationship and trying to change someone or trying to be someone you're not. Look at this fancy car I leased, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> that won't inevitably end well, right? I think mm -hmm. we, we all want to be loved for who we actually are. And meditation can help a lot with that because you're working on that on yourself first and then consciously with somebody else. And uh, it's a tough thing because we are incredibly imperfect as human beings. And it's like, oh, can I let her or him see that? Oh, oh. The answer is yes, yes, yes. You have to let them see that. I mean, that's when true intimacy happens is when you can let your guard down and let the other person in. So, wow, meditation. It sounds like we really all need to be doing some kind of it. Yeah. And honestly, as a guy, I have a hard time with that sometimes, letting somebody else in, right? Opening that heart space up. It's not, it doesn't come that naturally. Obviously, it all depends partially on our upbringing and how our parents loved us or didn't, how they treated us. That could be upwards of 80% of how we respond in relationships, in my experience. Mm -hmm. Like if, uh, if someone had a bad relationship with their dad, they'll very possibly play that out over and over with a bunch of men, for example, or vice versa. And that might be part of the healing in you that you have to do to be able to be in a conscious relationship or not project a past ex's, you know, aggression or invalidation that you experienced heartbreak on somebody else. So it's like we come into a relationship and we've got our whole past right there with us sitting in our shadow. You can't physically see it, but it's like right there in our shadow on the floor. It's like, I'm going to bite you later. I'm being nice now, but will you wait until you get near hurting my heart? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to all of you all. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, we, we, everyone has some kind of past or baggage they bring into a relationship. It's all a matter of how you deal with it, how you can be vulnerable with it and share it in a way 
that your partner can understand you and maybe even support you and help you, hopefully. I think that's why, yeah, relationship therapists and counselors, coaching for couples is often a really, really good idea. Getting someone in there who's more neutral than the two of you to help you reconcile stuff can be invaluable. But also just kind of back to the meditation for a moment. So just maybe a little strategy if you're like, all right, I have this one issue in relationships. It keeps playing out over and over. I always feel rejected or invalidated, or I run away the second it starts to get real, you know, whatever it is, we've all, we're listening to this. If we're here, we've got it. We've done it. Something's happened. (laughs) Otherwise we wouldn't be here. (laughs) So, or nothing's happened. And that's the problem. Why can't I try? Because they like us. So they just like us, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you more likely. You take one of these things, for example, me, I always had an issue with rejection. I I was like, somehow I would bring it into my life no matter what, I would find a way to get rejected. And because there was already something in there brewing around that. So I would have to sit down and this would probably be a lifelong thing for me. And, you know, eyes closed and look at that rejection. Where did it come from? What is, what kind of feeling is it causing in me? Why am I afraid of it or hiding from it or not able to face it? And then can I let that emotion and energy process, maybe some memories pop out and heal that space. And if I can't handle it, then maybe I need a therapist, coach, or guide to help me along with that, to be able to get to the other side so that when I'm in a relationship, I don't sabotage it with whatever I've been stuck on in my shadow or my unconscious that comes out when I start drinking. He was really great. And then all of a sudden, man, I don't know what happened. Like I don't drink, but I've seen this happen a lot. And I used to be a party tour guide in Spain. I ran bar crawls when I was like 23 <laughs> years old. So that I would take like my, the most amazing job. Just at like. the time it was, it would be my worst nightmare now. But oh, when I was yeah, yeah. 23 and I had a hundred you know, plus people a night from all over the world. And I would take them to the streets of Barcelona in Spain. If you're listening, maybe you were on one of them. I Probably 10,000 people went through it. And I would just watch people hook up every night. And I would watch the games that are played. And I watched the drinking happen. And some people, wow, when they got drunk, their real selves would come out. And it was scary and ugly. And you got to take care of that when you're not drunk so that when you do drink, that doesn't take over. Holy cow, I saw a lot of that. Fascinating. It's like a truth serum. (laughs) It is so interesting that people do sometimes rely on alcohol for confidence and then their true self comes out, but then also the things you're trying to hide come out. So it's almost interesting that it gives you this false sense of confidence, but it's probably a very fine line of I'm drunk and I'm feeling confident. I know people, I know people who have never had sex without being uh, on alcohol. Uh, oh, or yes, I do- have heard of those people too. <laughs> yeah. And because it's too difficult for them to be conscious when you know they're being intimate or even leading up to it or just dating, they need to go out for drinks. That's why I actually recommend going out for coffee. I don't know what you think about that or tea or something like during the I day. I love a good coffee date. Yeah. Yes. Have you been on some? Can you tell us? <laughs> well, I haven't been on a date in a while. I'll You're say. You're engaged, right? <laughs> but you but, must have experience. Yeah, I've definitely done coffee dates. Um, I've done drink dates. I've done hiking dates. I've done all kinds of weird things. And I think it really, you know, a coffee date, you can sometimes have a better conversation because you're not drunk or you're not thinking about how many drinks you're having or how you're going to get home or is this other person drinking too much? You're just sitting there. You're just having a coffee. You know you're going to have one. 
no one's at a coffee bar just slamming. I mean, maybe some people are just slamming coffees. Um, Shaking. (laughs) (laughs) The state is going really well. Oh my God, talk faster, talk faster. (laughs) (laughs) Having like five cold brews. But I think a coffee date, there's something to it. It's you have your coffee. It's still intimate. But also, you know, it's just a first date. This doesn't have to be in a dark restaurant with candles and roses and all these different things. So I actually think, yeah, that's taking it too far. Like, I don't think you want to be that. I would never send someone there. (laughs) Fortunately, I get to set up all the first dates for my people. So they don't have to think about it. I pick the place. If I feel like it's a better vibe for them to do a coffee or lunch date, we do it. If it's a better thing for them to do a drink state, you know, what's really interesting is the guys that I have that always get in the friend zone. I don't like to do coffee dates for them as much Mm. because I think that you need to have a little bit more of a romantic setting because they have a tendency to get in the friend zone. So then I try to at least have them go to a bar or maybe it's just a wine bar or maybe it's even a picnic in the park and they, you know, bring out wine cheese. Can we go deeper into that? Why? I'm fascinated by that. Why do some men get always go into the friend zone? I wish I had a really firm answer for this. And I think it's, it's different for each guy. But what I found with some of my guys that I work with is it's either like the first date, they don't have romantic things that they do maybe. And it doesn't have to mean that you kiss or have sex or anything like that. I even mean like, you know, maybe not high-fiving the person. (laughs) That might put you in the friend zone. Or staying on the surface level. That can also get you stuck in the friend zone. You have to, maybe it's, it doesn't have to be, do you want kids? Do you want a family? It can even just be, what's your favorite memory? with your family, something like that, just to at least develop some kind of intimacy. I think the surface level conversations are the biggest issue of getting in the friend zone, having a Mm -hmm. setting that could put you in there, maybe calling a woman, dude, bro, whatever, (laughs) that can really get you in the friend zone. (laughs) I think those are the main things that I have seen. Fascinating. Also, on an energetic level, what I've seen is if somebody's like not in touch with their intimate side, whether it's sexual or just like just intimate side, mm-hmm. and they're kind of cut off from that. Sometimes they they live like from the throat up. So, like, and what I mean by that is like no heart, no stomach, right? No intimate mm-hmm. part of you. It's just like all intellectual. That could also yeah. lead to the friend zone because it's just like conversational. There's no energy behind it, right? Um, I've seen, I've seen that too. And one of the strategies I like for that is like when you breathe, you could practice breathing into like all the way into your lower abdomen and like stretch that space out. Cause a lot of people, when they're not in touch with their emotions, they'll just breathe into their upper chest and try not even to touch their heart too much. And cause like when you touch those places with your breath, you're touching it with your awareness and that's where the emotions are at different levels. And I've seen that in, in the corporate world, it's less now we're all working from home, but Men will wear neckties, right? And they'll tighten them. So it's like nothing below the neck is allowed at work. It's like here and up. And women, all right, you could have more emotion. You're a woman. So, you know, tie the dress at your waist real tight, right? It's like right there. And it's like these unconscious ways that we like cut ourselves off from from the rest of our bodies. Um, So I've just seen that. so so interesting. Yeah. So even if you're on a date, 
or on the phone or something or or just texting or practice while you're doing it while you're doing it you could practice this while you're doing it too <laughs> breathing <laughs> all the way down into your lower abdomen and even further and just see what that brings up in you if there's like some fear around really feeling and touching that space mm -hmm. uh, i think in meditation that could be good practice too so i've noticed that in myself like i'll do shallow breathing when i'm in a shallow conversation yeah wow that's really cool I feel like mm -hmm. I want to make this a separate episode of just how <laughs> Tantra. to get a friend zone. Yeah. And that is I do part wanna, of Tantra. Yeah. I do want to note really quick too that I have a lot of women who get stuck in the friend zone. It's not just a problem for guys. I do have women that kind of consistently feel like they're just in the friend zone. The, you know, guy isn't feeling chemistry. Maybe she is. And it's always like, oh, I feel like she's better as a friend. And I think it is similar issues of needing to connect on a deeper, more intimate level. Yeah, I could see that. I could, I can definitely see that. And so maybe they also need to connect with their own intimacy more and be less introverted in some way, or even say what it is that they want or that they're looking for. Just be guys. We don't read energy as well as as women in general. In my experience, I'm gonna get tomatoes thrown at me for saying <laughs> gender. Anything you say by gender anymore is like not okay. So I'm speaking to the people that that makes sense to because that's my own experience. I that's the only way I could talk is from my own experience. So if a woman feels like she's getting into the friend zone, she might have a hard time sharing exactly what she wants and what she's looking for. And men don't, we don't easily read well, like, does she want to sleep with me or not? Uh, uh, <laughs> Abby, what did she say? How was the coffee date? I talked about myself and sports and how much money I make the whole time. Did she, does she want more? <laughs> <laughs> So I'm such an ass. Oh my God. So, hey, so I've seen those types. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so maybe you might need to say what it is you're looking for and be clear. Maybe that helps the guy find clarity too. So that, that could be, that could be something. I think also you might just, the chemistry might not be there. And so you just kind of lean into the friend zone when you don't feel like the, the chemistry is there. Um, yeah. But obviously, obviously I think for most people, you know this, but if you're looking for the perfect, then that's going to be the enemy of the good. The perfect is always the enemy of the good. So you've got that Seinfeld thing, like you don't like the shape of her one ear or like the way she twitches or, you know, eyes or, or the, you know, or, or the way he just says the word coffee. Cause he's from the East coast. He's like, you want to go get coffee? And she's like, Nope. <laughs> you know, there's like these little Seinfeld always had one issue with every woman that was really minuscule. And then he would say, Nope, I would be careful of that, you know, and like step back and see the person for the wholeness of, of who they are and, and not get kind of lost in some weird detail. I think that's very important because that's what you want too, right? You don't want somebody judging you based on some quirk or some something like that. So that oh, that's all takes conscious you. practice. <laughs> thank you for saying that. Oh my God. There are so many people that get hung up on the tiniest things. And honestly, I cannot work with them. If it's one little thing, there's something else. It's not that he's five nine and not six foot. It's something else. Oh, darn it. Why can't someone be perfect even though I'm not to make up for it and love me? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Uh, I expect everyone else to be perfect even though I'm entirely flawed. So logic. 
One of the things I do want to mention, before, I know we're probably going to finish soon, but one of the things that I've experienced with my students a lot and myself is I like to ask people, like, how ready are you for a relationship? So I had a student client of mine once come to me. We had a one-on-one -on -one session and I said, what are, you, what are you looking for? What do you want to accomplish? She said, I want a, I want a boyfriend. I was like, okay. I don't have a, I don't have them here, but we can, <laughs> let's see. So I said, when did you get out of your last relationship? And she was like, a few weeks ago. I was like, all right, red flag, right? Huge red flag. So I was like, out of 100%, how, what percentage of your energy is still in that past relationship? And she was like, 80%. And I was like, okay. So if you feel like less than 75% of you is ready for a relationship, you want to reflect on that and why maybe heal some of that and kind of call your energy back from the past. And we do that through meditation. That's kind of a longer conversation, but you want to feel like you're ready. And if, cause if you create and you're not, that can create some chaos for you. And I'm speaking out of experience, <laughs> ample, ample experience. I think a lot of us do that. If you're an avoid, avoidant attachers, I won't get into attachment theory too much, but they'll, they might jump from one relationship to another pretty quick. So just being conscious of that, I think is, is really important. Asking the person you're going out with, when was your last relationship? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yesterday. And, <find> that out. <laughs> and stay tuned. We actually do have um, next week's episode will be all about attachment theory. Nice. So we'll have more to come. Um, before I let you go, I have a couple other questions. One is if someone is listening, they want to start meditating, they don't know where to begin, what should they do? Well, there's a lot of options. Let me give you a couple. One is uh, I teach on an app called Insight Timer. It's actually the most used meditation app in the world. I think it has like uh, 17 million users. It's really cool. There's thousands of teachers on there. So if you can't find something on there, we're going to have a talk. So there should be something that works for you on there. It's a great way to shop around and it's mostly free. And then if you want something a bit deeper, you can come check me out at Meditation School. US, and that's where I teach live on Zoom and we'll do those longer form meditations on, on specific topics. So um, those would be two good spots I might consider starting with. Yeah. Perfect. And for my own selfishness, I have a question about meditation in general. Sure. You know, for a person like me, I want to start meditating. How do I kind of keep, hold myself accountable to do it? Yeah. I think if you try every single day that could be difficult in the beginning but i would say time yourself is a good one so usually the second we feel resistance or we get a noisy head we're like oh, i'm done with this my back is itchy i want to get up i to do the laundry time yourself and stick to that whether it's 10 minutes 15 or 20 i don't think five is enough so five doing five minutes for me is like doing five push-ups and you're like oh i exercised like nah you didn't so there's not going to be enough time for the noise in your head to settle in five minutes for most people so sit a bit longer be comfortable back straight doesn't matter how you sit and then you know, listening to guided meditation can work for some people, not for others, but that also might be helpful. So like, oh, this meditation is 20 minutes long. There's some guidance, so I just don't wander off. That also can be great. But at the end of the day, you have to find a technique, a style, a teacher that works for you, that you enjoy. If you don't enjoy meditating, you're not going to keep up with it. There's no way because there's nobody inside you other than you saying you got to do this. Nobody can see it from the outside. So find a technique and style that you love and stick with it for a while. If you go digging shallow wells, you'll never hit water. 
So you got to stick with something until you, until you get deep. That would be my suggestion. Perfect. Mic drop. Let's just end on that. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. I am just so excited to have you on and give this insight to everyone listening. So thanks again. My pleasure. We have to end this episode with a good old ghost story. Here's our ghosty tale of the day. So it was on my 35th birthday where I met the ghost. I'm going to call him the ghost. Yeah, we won't use his name. Okay, <laughs> perfect. And we were at Five Points Jazz Festival. We had a really good day. Everyone was kind of buzz happy. And we ended the night at this place. I can't remember the name. Great DJ, dancing, really fun. He was there. We hit it off, scheduled a date to hang out. And it was kind of flaky in the beginning in the first place. Like there were these random text exchanges that would happen and then he would disappear and then show up again in like 12 hours or whatever. I'm like, okay, fine. Don't know this person. So we had a date, had a really incredible time, or at least that was my perspective. But he confirmed that by doing the, the follow-up. like Wanted to go on another date. Yeah, and but also reaffirming, like, I had so much fun with you. That was a great time. Like, let's, let's schedule, you know, let's make plans. Mm-hmm. So we talked about making plans to go out for a fancy dinner because we were talking about how no one ever gets dressed up in Denver. So we were going to get, like, totally dressed up, go out to a really nice dinner. Yeah, it was supposed to be really fun. Supposed to be. (laughs) So then the weekend goes by, and I'm like, okay, haven't heard from this guy. Check in with him on Sunday, like, hey does Tuesday or Wednesday still work for our fancy dinner? Never heard from him. Not a big deal. We had gone on one date. You know, you misread people. So I get on with my life. Two weeks later, I run into him at a bar on the other side of town, which was kind of weird, but whatever, just coincidence. And I was supposed to be hanging out just with some girlfriends grabbing drinks. And we saw each other, and he ended up coming and sitting down with us apologizing for not reaching back out because he was working 90 hour weeks which I don't really know if that's even humanly possible I don't think it is I don't think the math is there right (laughs) like okay are you doing drugs to stay awake then all night like what's going on but okay but we had a really good conversation he also just like totally monopolized my attention for an hour so I told him you know if he would like to meet again then he can set up a date and actually contact me so that other date went really well we started hanging out we were dating for two months like seeing each other two to three times a week sleeping with each other and over at each other's places was he working 90 hour weeks he was not working 90-hour weeks, <laughs> maybe like 60. He was workaholic. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, and we both, we shared a love of um, farm-raised meats. <laughs> so the last time I saw him, we had decided to split purchasing a, a whole hog from a farmer out east. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god this story gets better and better yeah. Yeah, every time you tell it oh uh, god yeah 
So I had started to feel like you start to feel someone kind of maybe like pull away slightly. Mm -hmm. And so my response to that was, well, I just paid for this pig. So he needs to pay me the other half if he is going to pull away. And I was thinking... Is that expensive to buy a whole pig? Yeah. They're like... It was like... Like four hundred dollars or something. Oh, <laughs> yeah, wow, yes. I'm in the rock business. <laughs> yeah, raised pigs are really cheap to raise too. Okay, so had the pig in the meat freezer. He came over, and I'm thinking like, okay, if he's gonna pull away, it'll be slow, or there will be some kind of conversation. So he comes over for dinner, pays me for his half of the pig. He had a nice dinner, hung out, and he was leaving for a business trip that Friday, like the next day. So he leaves for the business trip and never hear from him again, period. And I had reached out to say like, hey, how's it going? Nothing. So then, I mean, I guess this like happens to people, but... It does. I mean, we have a new story every week. It's just crazy. Like you're dating someone for two months and like seeing them regularly and sleeping with them and you're just going to completely disappear. So then the kicker was though that I followed up a month later and just was all over the place. Like I wrote a letter. I had people like edit, redline the letter and then like... And then eventually just deferred back to, like, on the, after getting some advice from, like, a very close guy in my life that I trusted, he said, this letter is way too much, just Mm -hmm. call them. Didn't answer, wrote a message saying, hey, just wanted to see what happened, no hard feelings, but, like, you disappeared calmly, Mm -hmm. and then still never heard anything. And that was it. And that was it. We've all been there. So if you got ghosted, record your story and we'll play it right here on the Ghosted Podcast. You can send it to info at theghostedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ghosted Podcast. In the meantime, don't get scared. Send us your questions, your comments, your ghost stories to theghostedpodcast.com or at theghostedpodcast on Instagram. And if you need help in the dating realm, I'm here for you. Reach out to me on Instagram at modernyenta.